Welcome to a new episode of News and English, a podcast for advanced learners of English in which the news is an excuse for a tiny lesson. Today, Women's Day. On International Women's Day, March 8, people celebrated women's achievements and sought to promote gender parity or the concept that men and women should be treated equally in the workplace. This year, the main event was a strike. It was also referred to as a walkout on a few occasions. But a walkout is mostly a surprise strike in which workers suddenly stop work without prior warning. And this particular event was amply publicized in advance, so it is more appropriate to call it a strike. The event was naturally crowned by demonstrations, marches, protests and rallies around the world. The four terms, demonstration, march, protest and rally, are practically interchangeable when referring to organized public displays of opinion. While they can all be turned into verbs, as in, she demonstrated with her co-workers, or he marched with his wife, or we protested about pay inequality, to rally is used in a slightly different sense of getting people to come together to support a cause or a person, as in, her closest friends rallied to her support. Notice also that in the case of protest, there is a shift in stress. The noun is a protest, as opposed to the verb to protest. Another point worthy of comment here is that when used by American English speakers, the verb protest does away with the prepositions about, against, or at. So, he protested the government would be American English, and he protested against the government, British. The strike meant women were to withhold labor to drive home the message or make it clearly understood that women's presence in the labor force is essential. The verb withhold is frequently used with information, as in, they withheld information from their superiors. It refers to voluntarily keeping something from somebody else, so you withhold something that is coveted or desirable. When you do this, you have the upper hand, or an advantage over those who want to get hold of something you have. What I am trying to say is that to withhold work means a bit more than just not going to work. You can also express a similar idea with to take a day off work or to call off work, which means simply not to go. Those who attend, join or take part in the march are demonstrators and possibly strikers too. Those who went on strike jeopardized or risked losing their jobs by failing to go to work. As a consequence, organizers of the event called on those who would not be able to join the strike and who wanted to express solidarity with the strikers to wear red. By doing this, people could take part in the silent protest. The central tenet 
or belief behind women's movement like these is that women bear the brunt of social, economic or political problems. The expression bear the brunt means that someone or something suffers disproportionately or much more than others. By the way, you may have noticed the repetition of sounds in bear the brunt. The repetition of the initial consonant in two or more words is called alliteration. You will find the English language is very fond of this phonological device. Evidence of its existence predates the Norman conquest, which took place in 1066. Alliteration is prevalent both in ready-made phrases like she is as good as gold or will get what we deserve by fair means of foul, in spontaneous use of language and mostly in the field of advertising and journalism. In fact, there is alliteration in the strike's motto, a day without a woman. Alliteration definitely makes words stand out, but sometimes it is only used just for the sake of it, or because it can. There are two figurative expressions that clearly state the problems at hand when discussing women's issues in the workplace. These are to level the playing field and glass ceiling. Let's first clarify what is meant by figurative. This term is the opposite of literal and refers to associations prompted by words based on resemblances or similarities. In the two examples, the idea is that when using those phrases, we're not directly referring to a football field or a ceiling made of glass. These objects are actually representative of something else or an idea related to them. Thus, we may say, women demand a leveling of the playing field in the workplace. Literally, the demand is that the playing field of a sport, like football, should be made horizontal so that no team has better chances of scoring as a sloping field would give one team an unfair advantage over the other one. Figuratively, what is meant is that women demand equal chances in relation to men in job-related issues. In a nutshell, this phrase means end favoritism. As regards glass ceiling, the denotative component of its meaning, a ceiling made out of glass, lends itself to several associated meanings. To begin with, the ceiling represents an impenetrable barrier that prevents development or growth. But the material, rather than point to its fragility, makes the barrier more formidable because you can see through it. You know what the obstacle is, you know what is beyond it, you desire it, but you cannot get it. There are many examples of what the glass ceiling entails or involves, and we may use a phrase like this. Women are marching not just against the corporate glass ceiling, but against all obstacles to upward mobility. Ultimately, the point these phrases are trying to make is that women are underrepresented in higher positions, or that there are few women that hold upper-level positions. The reason for this imbalance is not that women lack the skills or qualifications, but that they are denied 
equal opportunities. An inescapable or evident fact is that women's absence in power deprives humanity of the assets of half of its population, roughly speaking. In other words, progress for the human race will remain imbalanced unless women can make headway or move forward so that their talents are not wasted but rather revealed. Moving away from this issue, I believe a brief note as regards uses of woman and female is in order or suitable. As you probably know, English rarely shows gender in nouns. While this is a godsend or a great benefit for learners as it simplifies word choice and makes for easy combination with adjectives which also have no use for gender, well, sometimes you do need to specify whether the noun is male or female. How does English go about this tricky business? One way is to use the words woman or female before the gender-neutral noun. It should be said, though, that while woman is a noun and female is an adjective, woman can be used attributively to modify a noun so it functions practically like an adjective. So we can say a woman doctor, a woman friend, or a woman student. But you can also say a female doctor, a female friend, or a female student. Actually, female is more frequent in these cases, yet woman seems to be doing a good job to unseat female or usurp its power. At the same time, female is also putting up a decent fight, as it can also function as a noun, like in several females who couldn't take part in the march were read in solidarity with the strikers. Other typical examples with female as adjective are a female voice, a female name, or a female condom. Play around these combinations. You wouldn't naturally come up with a woman voice or a woman name, would you? By the way, I am using an asterisk in the transcript before a woman voice and a woman name to show the combination is ungrammatical or unlikely following the convention used in linguistics. It must be said, though, that woman writer, woman dentist, and woman lawyer do appear in everyday usage. While a woman name is not possible or likely combination in English, a woman's name is, isn't it? I am using the possessive here, see? And are a woman's name and a female name the same thing? Oh dear, I feel I'm treading dangerous ground here. Although you might want to argue in favor of certain differences, and in some cases we might agree, I will say that on the whole they are the same. A woman's name and a female name are very similar. Be on the lookout for new combinations to express women's different roles as these are bound to appear. There are two more terms that merit our attention in relation to women's issues. A prevalent view, or one that is very common, is that gender roles are tied to the ways in which societies believe they should be run. And this in turn is linked to the concept of matriarchal or 
patriarchal systems. There, that's all I wanted to show you. Isn't the pronunciation of these two words surprising to you? No? Well, I thought they might be. That is the end of today's episode. We sign off today with a popular American saying. A woman's place is in the house and in the Senate. The word house here has two senses or meanings. One is the place where you live, and that is the meaning evoked initially, given the stereotype that women are supposed to busy themselves with household chores. The other is the short for the House of Representatives, or one of the two chambers of the legislative branch of government. The saying naturally challenges the stereotype and places women in a much more relevant position for society. See you next time. Bye.